Glad that you are with us, Mike and Kenton podcasting, and it is so hot. We are in nothing more than swim trunks right now as we are talking to you. It is phenomenal. <laughs> VBS was last week, uh, and um, the carnage, the, the brown grass, the exhausted children's ministers, all evidence of the amazing work God did. And we, uh, your regular correspondence, taking the, the Bible in one hand and the newspaper or internet in another, now sit before you to talk about the questions that deeply resonate with the souls of people everywhere. <laughs> not, not all of that is true. Uh, the swim part, uh, swim trunks part isn't true, but you know, whatever. You couldn't know because you're podcasting. Now, I came across an article. That I thought was interesting, and and you know sometimes we'll be very current to what's happening. Other times we'll take opportunities to talk about what the church is, what the church can be. And I came across an article. A guy was arguing uh, that that clergy should aim to keep the time of worship to no more than fifty five zero minutes. Um, he goes on to say that worship has become too complicated, leaving people who are not regular churchgoers feeling confused and excluded. And then he says, one of the reasons for our recent decline in church going is that we are not making the occasional occasional worshiper feel welcome. And so, Kenton, mm. I've looked at the Mariners uh, Church Irvine campus or the church times, and and I, I've I've I I see that they're longer than fifty mm-hmm. minutes and. Um, I want to confront you with this opinion and ask why they will never go to that short of an experience. Right. Well, there's a couple of thoughts on it, so we'll cut it a different ways. First, obviously the person writing it has no sense the church should be a transformative uh, organism within culture. So he's saying culture should define what we do as opposed to us defining what, what culture does. Which is sad, because I think for somebody to look at the church and not understand what it is that we're called to do, and I think we can come back to that. The second thing is that uh, what do people want to see when they come to church? Does an occasional church attender want to see what church people do? Or do, do, does, does the occasional church attender want us to curb everything to be something that we're not? And I think that obviously, if I go someplace and I want to see what they do or what they believe in. If I went to a mosque, I'd want to understand what they do and what it is that they're gathering together for. If I go to a synagogue, I want to see them do what it is that they do. And in the same way, I think that what people do when they come, they want to see people have church and experience church of every kind. And I don't think church can happen in 50 minutes. I'm an all-day church guy. Yes. I think you got to have all day yes. to do church. When Sunday I grew morning, up, Sunday, Sunday school, night. <laughs> Sunday night. That's it. But actually, not just attending meetings, obviously, the idea of being together. What does, yes. you know, what is it that you want to accomplish? And I think that, you know, coming to a church gathering, as a church gathers, we get to to worship, we come back at what that means, but that idea of putting God in the rightful place, reminding us who we are. You get to gather with God's people and see that all of what's happening in my life isn't all of life. And I get to see different people at different places in their life, difficult times, times of loss, times of joy, uh, and everything in between, and then, and watch them surrendering, bowing down in their heart and saying, you know what, I'm going to, I know that God is good, even in this situation where it doesn't feel like things are good, I know God is good. And then times when they're celebrating, and so it gives me that sense of wherever I am, 
God can meet me in that place, seeing different people of all different walks of life, hearing their <coughs> stories, being a part of what's going on. You know, you'd have to get back to what is the, the purpose of the church even when we gather collectively uh, but, but to do that. Hold on, hold okay, on. Okay, I can keep going. Oh, yes, clearly. Okay, here we go. We were about to experience all-day church <laughs> had I not interrupted you. Most religious leaders, however, according to this article, say that Sunday morning church service church services already have to compete with shopping, sleeping in, taking the day off, football during right. football season. The idea of spending one and a half or two hours at church just seems less appealing. So, wouldn't it behoove us to to go under an hour to really cater to those folks? Wouldn't we get more people in the church uh, if we did these nice tight? 45-minute services, because, listen, it's a, it's a competitive marketplace out there, and, uh, and, and we've got to compete for these folks' time. Well, a couple of thoughts. One is, down in Mission Viejo, up in Irvine, we don't, we're already full. So the idea of, you know, I don't know that what he's saying is true, because the church is full to begin with. Would we get more? I don't think so, because I think what we offer and what we bring is this life-transforming experience where people get to connect with what is transcendent. And yeah, do we compete in a sense for people's time? I think in a very practical way you have to say, absolutely, there's all sorts of things going on. There's kids' sports, uh, people can go to bars, people can you know, go to the beach, people can do all sorts of things. They have to make a conscious choice to say, this brings value to my life. And what we do has to be value-giving uh, and our assumption is people spend time with God and with the people of God. That is going to be incredibly value-giving to a life, don't you think? I do. I wouldn't put it in those terms, but I absolutely agree with you. Which ones you don't? You don't think we compete? Well, I, I don't think we should. Um, I, I don't, and, and this is either where I'm naive or I'm right or I'm both. <laughs> but anytime you use the language of the marketplace, I always get just a little suspicious. I mean, in a practical sense, you're right. Everybody, everybody's making choices to sleep in or to come. And you're right, the value giving. But part of, part of what you said early, which, I, which so resonates with me, is that, is that the, the, the way the scriptures talk about this body called the church, we're not talking about the program, we're not talking about the building, we're talking about the corporate collection of people. And that, that corporately is the dwelling place of God on earth. There's this manifest presence of God when his people gather. We're individually temples too, but there's something super added when the, when the community gathers. And, and you were getting into that, I think, really beautifully. And, and, and the gift we give, the assumption behind what you were saying, the gift we give to the world is not by mimicking the world or reinforcing the world's attitudes, but by, right. it's by being a countercultural expression of uh, kingdom values, kingdom priorities, and ultimately of the presence of the king. I mean, ultimately, that's the deal. And we're not looking. Jesus, I mean, this is what drives me nuts about stuff like this. Jesus never begged people to follow him. He never bribed people to follow him. In fact, the times of his greatest popularity, he would offer hard teachings. He would never lower. I mean, if you were broken and you were humble, anyone was welcome. But if you were proud and had other options, he'd let you walk away. Right. And I feel like oftentimes the church, in the name of reaching people, plays the game that Jesus refused to play. Namely, begging, bribing, dazzling, over-promising the gospel trying to jazz it up. We just want to keep saying, hey, the reward of following Jesus is Jesus. And until you're convinced of that, following him 
uh, it, from a consumer mindset, it's going to be a really brutal deal for you because he just clearly, I mean, he, he, he fundamentally comes not to, um, not to meet our consumer preferences, but to actually destroy them uh, and replace them with what his will is for us. I like that. And I think that's what we're saying because, it, and what I mean by that is, w- Jesus is saying, we're saying, there are lots of other things that you can do. Yes. Go ahead. If this doesn't, (laughs) if these things don't meet the needs that you have, and if you don't have a core value of saying, I've got a, I need something in my life, you're right. People are going to walk away and to play the game and try to placate them anyway. You're not going to give them something that's going to change their life. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where we cease being salt and light in the world. If all we're doing is saying, well, the world, the world says everyone has shorter attention spans. So I just read another article where it talked about how, um, certain movements are saying now eight-minute kind of sermons are the best. <laughs> I mean, and they, they're nothing more than lessons in, in, uh, in that sense. Eight-minute sermons are the way we should go. And I just don't think that's true. I think we should challenge culture, not embody its values. And so we come at this fundamentally from a different perspective that I think you, you, you speak to very well. We will be the church. Now, we will always be sensitive and always right. be welcoming to folks outside, just the same way that Jesus was. But never, we don't get any hint of permission in the New Testament to accommodate the culture. But instead, we're to be the church. But let's highlight for people that are listening. What is it that would be our goal? So just pick one or two things. I'll talk a couple about a couple of things that as we gather as a corporate body, we want people to experience, we want people to see. So that when the church is being the church, people should experience... Uh, the first, and I think, you know, whether or not it's the most important, it's up, it's one or two. Well, they all are. Um, so. uh, is the corporate expressions of worship. And, yes. and that's, that's communion, uh, the sacraments, it's baptism, it's corporate singing. It's also corporate study of the scripture and the public reading of scripture, corporate prayer. It's the, it's the seeing and uh, being a part of a, of a, of a, a small segment of every tongue, tribe, and nation. So you're gathered with people who aren't just like you, who don't look just like you, and who don't think just like you. So a second one then would be, you've got to see people's lives being changed. I need... I, I think that the truth, I need to see the truth, I need to see people worshiping, but I want to hear stories of how God has intersected someone's life so that it makes it real, so right. that I get an example of there is a transcendent God intersecting at life. What's yeah. another thing you well, need? Well, no, I, I want to I do an exclamation point to that. I think when, when the writer of Hebrews says, spur one another on to love and good deeds, exactly. the implication is we need spurring. Right. It's easy to be fearful. It's easy to be uh, victimized. It is easy to just think we're this enclave and the world right. is growing dark around us. And that us. doesn't always happen in the building in the no. sense of or during the allotted time. That happens before. It happens right. as people are talking outside, meeting each other. In that sense, there's true fellowship as we share the life that we have in Christ with each other yep. and what God's doing. Another thing you come to uh, church equipping. for. That exactly. there we should, uh, we're in Ephesians, and we just hit on it the last couple of weeks, Ephesians 4. We are to uh, equip the ministers for ministry. And so right. there's this sense that we want to inspire. We want to be, be mended to be menders out there. Mm-hmm. We want to be healed to be healers. We want to remind ourselves that we're forgiven in order to be forgivers out there. So it's this, it's this whatever you've received from God, go be that in right. the world. And so we gather to kind of be put back together. And I like exhortation. You know, a challenge a day keeps the devil away, right? Uh, well, yeah. there you go. Yes. And the idea of having people... <laughs> 
exhort saying, I want to be different. And they challenge us to be different. There is that reminder of, I don't want mind-numbing mediocrity. I, right. want, I want the challenge of God's Word. I want the challenge of people's lives. I want the challenge of the Holy Spirit corporately to say, I can be, we can be something different. And I think, you know, another way to cut this would be to say, and this is, you know, a ridiculously kind of obtuse way of saying it, but it com- is compelling to me. Um, I want my imagination refurbished. I want, I, I am bombarded with images about sexuality, images about what it, the good life is, images about success, images about masculinity, images, you know, a thousand million different images that bombard me all week. I need to be what, what, what John gave the churches in the book of Revelation was a behind-the-curtain peek at what reality is, right? So, And he uses liturgy and worship to paint a picture of there is a throne at the center of the universe, and we are not on it, and hallelujah for that. And so part of what worship does, part of what communion does, part of what Bible study does, part of what we do is to actually reframe reality so that my story, so I'm not trying to fit God into my story, but I'm actually seeing my story as a part of his epic, spanning centuries, story of his redemption of all things. And, and there's, this, there's this thing that happens when I can now frame my life differently as I go forward because it's been recalibrated. Another thing, go to the other opposite. Um, and there is a need for the sameness, um, not boring, but connecting with the history of yes, uh, Christianity that of I'm connected of 2,000 yes. years of people. So when I take the Lord's Supper, this is something that Christ followers have done for 2,000 years. Right. And right. you're doing something that's very simple, elegant in that sense, but very plain and isn't spectacular. It's not jazzy. No, it isn't right. jazzy, but it is profoundly life-changing. And so there's there's things that are so wonderfully beautiful that don't have that that have a great sense of time but they're just that they're connecting me to 2000 years of tradition absolutely so here's you know here's what we would love for you to take uh, away uh, from this conversation number 1 we want you to know that our goal and we feel accountable to God uh, as as co-ministers with lots of other people um, that we are to uh, embody the gospel, to preach the gospel, and those things will always be fundamentally challenging to the ways of this world, to the powers and the principalities, always. And the minute they're not, the minute church becomes just another expression of cultural norms, it ceases being, A, the dwelling place of God, but B, salt and light in his name. And so we will always want to work at warring against those things that come easy for us, warring against those things that are just natural. And, uh, and then secondly, uh, we also, obviously we're huge fans of the church. We recognize its limitations and its frailties, and we recognize that both are true at the same time. It is the glorious bride of Christ, and it's weak and it's frail and it's sinful and it's petty. But we can't say enough that, it, uh, that the Bible never speaks of you and Jesus alone. You are always spoken of in a corporate sense. And so, as brothers, uh, we would encourage you to find a place where you can be invested in, where you're equipped, where the Word of Jesus is taught regularly, where His presence is celebrated, uh, and where you really can participate. Not just spectate, but participate. We hope it's with us. Lots of other great churches. Any last words? That's it. Great day. Bless you.